This is a podcast from the Queen City Podcast Network. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. Welcome to Do Good Charlotte on the Queen City Podcast Network. I'm Pamela Escobar. In each Do Good Charlotte podcast, you will find out who's helping, who could use a helping hand, and just how you can spread around your own good. This September, Share Charlotte is highlighting organizations creating a more sustainable future. They're dedicated to protecting our planet from rivers to land to wildlife. Today, we're introducing you to one of those organizations you can network with, Sustain Charlotte. We are joined by Eric Saverell, Urban Design Specialist, and Meg Fensel, Director of Engagement and Impact. Welcome to Do Good Charlotte. Thank you. So Thank let's you. talk about Sustain Charlotte. That sounds like a huge mission. <laughs> so how, let's break it down into pieces. I'm looking at you, Meg, first. What, when you do community engagement, how do you explain what Sustain Charlotte does? Our mission is to inspire choices that lead to a healthy, equitable, and vibrant community for generations to come. So there's really three pieces of that. It is about supporting social equity, a vibrant economy, and a really healthy environment. And the Charlotte area is really rapidly growing in population. So all of the decisions that we make now are going to affect our quality of life, as well as quality of life for future generations. So we really try to educate the public about how to make better decisions and help them to use their voice effectively. Right, because we're growing rapidly. So there's the economic development that happens that is occurring. But at the same time, we want to maintain and sustain, you know, the environment and, and, and figure out a way to balance all that, right? Yes. And it is difficult to do all of that, especially in an urban area. We have a lot of competing priorities, but we know that there are many communities that are doing great things to grow sustainably without sacrificing quality of life that are actually achieving a higher quality of life for their residents. But then we also have historic systems that are in place that maybe certain populations and neighborhoods have been neglected and things. So I guess you're trying to figure out how to, when you say equity, you're looking at that as well. Yes. The growth that Charlotte has experienced and will continue to experience is not benefiting all neighborhoods or individuals or households equitably. And we know that there are, there are certainly patterns of lower rates of vehicle ownership, for example, in the crescent or arc of Northwest and East Charlotte. And some people might say, well, is the answer to that just to make sure everybody has a car? Well, for the median income household in Charlotte, they're spending 22% of their income on transportation. That's second only to the 29% that we spend on housing. So many of our households are very cost burdened just in meeting those, those two basic expenses. So what if instead of being a community where everybody had to have a car to have a great quality of life and reach jobs and opportunities and all the places we need to go every day, what if we were a community where having a car was a choice rather than a necessity? And that would mean healthier air, less contribution to climate change. It would mean that everybody could get all the places that they need to go every day. And it wouldn't matter what zip code you lived in. That would no longer be so predictive of your outcomes in life. Yeah. Eric, I'm guessing that your job is designing assist or working with what governments and other people to figure out how to make this design possible. Because if we're going to be car, not a necessity. I don't know. Down south, it seems like a necessity. Prove me wrong. Tell me, how, how do we do this? Yeah, it, uh, design is key, 
right? It is what uh, informs how we live and how we move. And both of those are, um, have a huge impact on sustainability, resiliency, and the climate. So if we can design our neighborhoods, our communities, our city to be more connected, um, it's smarter growth. It just doesn't haphazardly happen. Um, that means we need to have a plan. And a lot of my work over the last couple of years dealt with uh, advocating for a, you know, is the best comprehensive plan that uh, we can get for 2040. It's the first plan the city's had in decades since the 1970s. So we've grown a lot without a plan, and we just got the plan um, put in place. And then the next piece of it is having the regulations that dictate, you know, uh, some of the design and getting that right as much as we can with the regulation piece of it. And that's mostly with the land use. So that's how we build things um, and how the developers build things. But if we can get that piece, since that's happening so quickly and rapidly, um, that's going to create better neighborhoods, um, increase the quality of life. And, uh, you know, we work to try to make that uh, reflect our, you know, principles of smart growth uh, and having transportation choices. So when a developer is doing something, they're putting in better bike lanes, safer bike lanes for all ages and abilities when they're redoing the sidewalk or the street. And a lot of folks, I don't think, realize that you know, a lot of developers are the ones building the sidewalk and not you know, the majority of it is not by the city. Uh, we need more of that to happen because we've neglected building, you know, over a billion dollars worth of sidewalks need to be built in the city alone. Yeah, it's not walkable. And no. if it's not walkable, uh, then how are you no. going to get around? You got to get around with your car. Yeah. I, I will say, you know, I've, I've lived in Charlotte now for about 11 years. And so I remember when there was no light rail. And now that it's there, and every time I drive down Tryon Street, I'm, I'm always fascinated by all the growth that's popping up after that. So like you're saying, that was built, there was some plan, I'm guessing, with the feds and getting that grant and doing all that. But now it's like, okay, this exists. We know now developers makes that makes Tryon that corridor more attractive. Um, so let's make sure that when they're building, that that they're doing it in a way that you know is safe. Uh, but then also, I'm guessing you're thinking about land, like the environment as well. Right. Yeah. And and when they did develop the the blue line, as you were mentioning, that was mostly the plan was to build the infrastructure itself. So the stations, the track, and then the vehicles. There was very little thought on the rail trail that is so popular now was an accident. It was mm -hmm. meant for maintenance and being able to maintain that system. And now it's grown into this beautiful, like walkable path and bikeable, you know, it makes that neighborhood. And imagine if it was planned and really done the way it should have been done, right? That's, that's kind of what we're making sure any future transit corridor has that transit-oriented development, you know, thought. So the sidewalks are coordinated when they put in a station. So there actually is a way to get to the station safely, not just, you know, steps away from it, but at least a half mile, maybe a mile away from that station is connected so more folks can get there safely. Yeah. Meg, how receptive is the Charlotte community, both public, and then I'm also guessing you're dealing with um, local governments as well, um, to this idea of Sustain Charlotte? I've been at Sustain Charlotte for 10 years, and I've seen more and more 
understanding among both the public and elected officials that we need to be doing things differently so that we can become a more walkable, a more equitable city. And one of the statistics that's pretty alarming is that if Charlotte continues to grow at our present rate, and growth is a good thing by and large, there are many cities that don't have this you know, good problem that we have with growth comes an opportunity to change in a way that a declining city doesn't have. So with this growth, obviously also comes some challenges. And right now about one out of four people get to work in a way other than driving alone. The projection is that by 2040, if we continue to see the population growth trends that we're seeing now, we would have to double our road capacity unless at least 50% of people are using a, a form of transportation other than driving alone. So walking, biking, public transportation, carpooling, working from home, micromobility. Yeah. So we're definitely facing challenges. And both people who have grown up in Charlotte and people who have moved here fairly recently often come up to us at events and definitely resonate with that message of this current situation can't sustainably continue into the future. They've seen the traffic congestion get worse and worse and realize that something needs to change. Well, and I mean, I come from the north where, you know, traffic is a way of life and it's just understood. And so, yeah, one of the reasons that quality of life in Charlotte is so great is because traffic is manageable. But there's definitely some mornings and um, where it doesn't feel that, like that. And you can see um, that we don't we don't really have a lot of wiggle room, uh, at least on 277, on 77, on 85. I'm taking those every day. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's something I think any person who's moving here who's saying this is such a great place, but I don't want to deal with with that. And there's a well-proven principle called induced demand. When you are in an area with a rapidly growing population, oftentimes what the public asks for is more lanes of traffic. Let's keep widening this road. And everybody thinks it works at first. It might work for a few years and traffic did will it. get more free flowing. But then what that really does, it induces more demand. So more development that is not accessible by any other mode of transportation than driving a car starts to, to occur around that widened road, more people start to use it. And within a few years, the congestion is worse than ever because there's even a loss of efficiency when you add more lanes. Cars, drivers will start to kind of weave between lanes yeah. to get as fast as possible through, through that area. So we really need to rethink the way that we use our existing streets rather than just continue to widen and widen and widen. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's logical. That makes sense to me. I, I'm not familiar with the plan that you worked on with the city. So um, what what are some of the, are we looking at doing more light rail? Is there other, are, or maybe making some of them longer? Like what are some of the hopes and dreams of this plan? Um, and I know it's massive. It is. Yeah, there <laughs> so is I'm not many, <laughs> many components to it, yes. Um, I think what it really comes down to is, you know, being able to do it in, a timely manner to try to keep up with this growth that's happening um, because it includes the greenways, sidewalks, bike lanes, mass, you know, rapid transit, um, fulfilling the goals of the 2030 plan that CATS has had for years, the silver line, the red line, uh, expanding the gold line. Um, Do any of those go to the airport? 
Yes, the silver line okay. goes, yeah. Not I, I just, directly, I but very close to it. And the airport has expanded out to it. So uh, it, it, it would be a way of connecting that. However, you know, the timelines for all of that, because this really comes down to funding. You know, we, yeah. we only have this very incremental, slow funding source right now, which we see on the ballots a lot of the times when they ask you if you want to you support this uh, bond. That is... People, I don't think, realize how little that does. You know, mm. that money does not go very far to fill any of those large projects. They're more for, you know, maintaining uh, the little sidewalk gap projects, maybe uh, like a handful of larger road or intersection projects. But they're not going to be building the silver line. They're not going to be the red line. Any of those bigger, larger projects or the billion dollars of sidewalks we need, that's not going to that's not going to happen there. The plans are, are there in the 2040 plan. They have a priority bike network. They have a, a way of improving our frequency for our bus network to actually really fulfill its goal of getting people where they need to go. Um, it has the light rail expansions. It has the greenway network. It, it's all there. It, the problem is we, we just really don't have a way of doing it in a very timely manner that keeps up with the growth that is happening. Right. So that's your that's your challenge. That's what you're working on. This is what we're working on. And it's really important that we not lose a critical opportunity to get federal funding. The infrastructure bill has vast amounts of funding for public transportation projects that would allow us to get a really good start on many of these projects, the red line, the silver line, um, the blue line extension. But in order to even be competitive for those federal grants, we need to have a matching local funding source. Ah. And so the Charlotte Moves Task Force recommended a one-cent sales tax. And, of course, nobody loves a tax if the alternative is, is just getting stuck in traffic and kind of burying our heads in the sand like ostriches that is not going to allow us to be competitive with other cities. People have choices as far as what city they want to move to. And if we're a city that's known for sprawl and deadlock traffic, people may choose to move somewhere else. Yeah, so that's the argument. The question is, is um, if it's if it's gonna work or if it's gonna be viable. Um, we'll take a break right now, and then uh, we'll talk about after the break how people can learn more about what you do and how they can have some fun in the process. you turn to stay in touch with the city around you? Broadcast news isn't what it used to be, and commercial radio doesn't scratch that itch. If only there was one place you could get it all, when you want, wherever you want, on your schedule, there is the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city on your schedule at queencitypodcastnetwork.com and everywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, so you've sold me, Sustain Charlotte. I'm all, I'm all in. Um, how do I participate? How can I get involved? And what, what things are coming up? The best way for people to follow along with what we do and learn more about our upcoming events and engagement opportunities is just to go to our website, sustaincharlotte.org, and sign up for our weekly e-newsletter. And that comes out once a week. And it's full of events, engagement opportunities, local news, 
and it always includes a little intro from one of our staff. So that's that is free and fabulous. That is that's great. I love that. And so through that, they can find out about some of these events. So what are some of the events that they'll learn about in this newsletter? Uh, well, our fall event that we have every October. It's called Biketoberfest. Okay. Um, and that's going to be this October 22nd. Uh, we always wait until the Panthers release their schedule to figure out when to actually schedule it. So it's a Sunday. So bikers like football too, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's uh, yeah about, you know, trying to, because we usually, we get a couple hundred folks come out. Uh, oh, I think nice. we had close to 700 last year. So, um, you know, we don't want to send them into a whole uptown full of Panthers fans, you know, so it makes it a little logistically challenging. So it's another reason why. But uh, this year we're trying to uh, open it up beyond just cyclists. Um, you know, that's the prime, you know, a lot of folks do mm -hmm. that and they will be the majority of folks. But we want to engage uh, some other communities in Charlotte. And one of those being the running community. There is a lot of run clubs every day of the week throughout, you know, all of Charlotte. And, you know, they use the streets, the, the roads, and um, we want them, you know, to, to know where we exist. And we want them to come out and participate in Biketoberfest. But it's a, it's a fun day to get out um, walking, biking, and even using transit. It's going to be from South End to Noda. Okay. And you get to collect different stamps in a little passport. Um, those stamps will then be turned in. You get raffle tickets, some great prizes we have, and it's a celebration at Triple C at the end of the day. Get all your raffle tickets, and then we announce the winners of the prizes. Um, and we're going to have, they usually do a beer, make a beer just for us that weekend. Oh, fun. So we'll have a little naming contest for that, too, on social media. So make sure you, you have, look out for that. So I, I'll admit my husband is a runner, um, and he is at a run, he does a run club through a brewery so we're very familiar with that but I will say I'm not a runner they are some of the nicest people um, so when he's doing races and things uh, it's just it's so nice to meet all the, those people so that's fun that you're you're expanding yeah. it beyond cyclists I'm sure cyclists are wonderful people too <laughs> I just don't have the same um, uh, interactions with them so that's cool that you're doing that so by Toberfest and then um, I guess you you were saying that there's going to be an event October 12th, too? We're partnering with Mecklenburg County to host a public engagement event around the Environmental Justice Action Plan. So this will be an opportunity for anybody to come and learn what that plan is about and to give some input on it. Yeah. So uh, for people who don't understand what environmental justice is, what do you tell them? It's really centered around the idea that the environmental impacts that we experience, things like air pollution, water pollution, climate change, do not impact all people or all communities in a even way. So there are underlying inequities that when combined with those environmental impacts have a very disproportionate negative impact on certain communities or individuals. So environmental justice is about, first of all, recognizing that that is happening and then addressing the problem and and trying to find some solutions. So yeah, so you're hoping that people who care about sustaining Charlotte, who care about the environment, um, will come out and, and share their thoughts related to that. Um, and then you were saying there'll be other educational events that you have throughout the year too, right? This fall, we're going to host our second year of the Impact 704 Academy. And this is a training for people who want to learn more about the work that we do. We'll talk about what smart growth is and why it is so important that we build our community in a way where we don't need to use a car for every single 
daily need. And we'll have a session that's really focused on transportation and then a session that's really focused on the ways that we build our community and the ways that we develop and, and balance that with the need to protect the natural environment. And then if, if we just, if we can't make it to the Biketoberfest or if we can't make it to some of the events this fall, but I still want to help out with your mission, I can still donate too, right? We'd love people to either donate on a one-time basis or you can actually become a member uh, as low as $10 a month. So you can go to the, the Get Involved tab on our website and there's there's member benefits associated with that. And it's a great way to support us. And then you were also saying um, you guys get together. So if you're not an athlete, but you, you, there are still other things that you can do related to a brewery. There are. And I'm a big <laughs> self-confessed board game geek. So we host Sustainability Game Night on second Wednesdays at Divine Barrel. So this is a fantastic way for people to come and play a surprisingly broad range of games that are <laughs> themed on transportation and land use. And we have a lot of fun. There's everything from 10-year-olds playing Jenga, which is technically a building and development game, to people playing more more complicated thematic games. So it's a great time. People come with their families or in, in couples, and some people come alone. And everybody gets a warm welcome. We have a lot of fun and laughs. And everybody who's there cares about sustainability. Yeah. So I, I'm, I, it sounds like fun, um, and it's a good excuse to come out. But then in the, at the end of the day, you're, you're around like-minded people who, who care. Um, so I'm guessing they are all subscribers to your newsletter, and that's how they remember um, when to come out. Uh, well, thank you both so much. Is there anything else that you want to share uh, about what you guys do that I didn't ask you about? I just want to make sure I give you the opportunity. We've covered everything really well. I would just encourage people to remember that we are all residents of a very quickly growing community, a very quickly changing community. And cities either grow and thrive or they decline and die. Mm -hmm. So let's never forget that we are in a very special position here in Charlotte. We have a lot of opportunities that come along with our challenges, so embrace them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. If you know anyone who is doing good in our community, let me know. Tell me about someone or a nonprofit organization that should be heard on Do Good Charlotte. Reach out to me, Pamela Escobar, on social media. I'm Reporter Pam on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or go to the Queen City Podcast Network page and fill out the contact form for Do Good Charlotte. A big thanks to Share Charlotte. Make sure you use the hashtag DoGoodCLT and head to ShareCharlotte.org to find nonprofits looking for your help. There's good all around us. Let's hear about it. QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com.